Hi, I'm Marianne Talkovsky, and you're listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With over a decade of experience as a holistic health practitioner and face reader, I've read hundreds of faces and elevated how many people see themselves. Every person's facial features tell a story of who they are and who they came to be. And in this podcast, you will hear what people see and learn about themselves while looking in the mirror. You won't want to miss an episode, so be sure to subscribe. David Stone has an amazing story to share. He talks about how he went from being an internationally known marketing consultant, making a healthy six figures, to living out of his own car. He literally went through fear and anxiety, worried his way into homelessness. So he shares how he has overcome worry and anxiety. And his story is so compelling. I encourage you to listen as he shares what he feels humanity needs the most. So, hi, I'm Marianne Telkovsky with Humanity Speaks, the human in the mirror with David Stone. And I'm so excited, David, to be chatting with you today. I believe it's 17. It might be 17 or 18. It's one of those, but we're... Whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I I insist that this be episode 17. No, 18. Whatever. (laughs) <laughs> we well, I'm just so glad to be chatting with you. And when I read your story, I, I really want to dive into that more. And mm. so um thank you for for taking the time today to be with me and to share it. Oh, uh, I'm thrilled to be with you and chatting with you and sharing with your listeners because I think it's important. I, I think I discovered something that uh is applicable to so many of us. Uh, and I'm loving to share it now. Yeah, it sounds like you've been through the gamut of many emotions through your life experience and and found some transformation on the other side of that. And so, yeah, with let's let's get started with what the normal format is of each episode and that's taking a look in the mirror. So, I know you have your handheld mirror in front of you. Thank you for that. I do. <laughs> and why this is important is because I know most of the time people are listening in their cars or maybe they're on a walk. Uh, they may not be looking or watching or or seeing even a photo of you. So would you kindly describe what you see when you look in the mirror, feature-wise, anything that comes up? Mm. I see a fella who has been walking around on this planet for a while now. <laughs> but I also see somebody who is absolutely ageless and um who is uh, energetic, who has uh, light and fire in his eyes, who, um, you know, thinning on the top, but, uh, but growing on the inside of my head. (laughs) Excellent. And um, so I love the light in your eyes. I love that you, there's that paradox of seeing you've been here for a while while also feeling ageless. Would you, go into a little bit more about like specific features and if there's one feature in particular like and one that maybe you're not so fond of if that exists well no I think there might be might have been uh, a time when I would look at myself and think "Mm, you know I wish my nose were smaller or bigger or my ears whatever 
uh, occasionally, I think, you know, it'd be nice to have a little bit more hair than I currently have. But then I look and I think, hmm, you know, God made that and he did not make it and then say, oops, <laughs> didn't do such a great job on that one. I'll try harder on the next one. I figure with every single one of us, uh, he, she, it did a fantastic job. And uh, I'm just so appreciative of, of being, I, I will turn 67 next month. And uh, I can still fog this mirror. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm up, I, I run every day. And I, um, you know, the, every once in a while, you know, uh, my knee, I'll show my knee on the mirror. My right knee hurts a little bit when I run, and it didn't used to do that. But I think that's okay. I don't mind that at all. So, no, there's... Um, you know, things are a little saggier than they might have been before. But uh, inside, uh, I've felt 19 ever since I was 19. And I still <laughs> feel like I'm 19. And just, I, I mean, when I started I Fearless, which we'll talk about, um, I thought, you know, and that was when I was 65. I said, what do I want to be when I grow up? Just getting ramped up for my next 40-year career. It's delightful. I love it. So it sounds like you're in a place of total acceptance. Yeah, uh, I am. And because uh, I'm not, what's the alternative? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of stuck with me. <laughs> I see a lot, you know, <laughs> I can't say, no, I don't like this. I'd like to be somebody else. And I think that way, way too many of us uh, look at ourselves in the mirror and judge ourselves as somehow lacking or less than, or um, not measuring up. And then we feel obliged to go and say, okay, who do I, what, how do I measure up? What do I measure? And we look around and say, oh, that person, if only I were like that person, maybe if I bought the clothes they buy, maybe if I drive the car they're driving, then I'll measure up, then I'll look in the mirror. And that never ends well. And uh, uh, because then you see somebody else or something else and you say, oh, no, no, that's what I'm supposed to be like. So I think, um, yeah, it takes a while to accept yourself. But if we can't accept and love ourselves, then how can we possibly accept and love anybody else? Yes, yes. Here, here. So. I would love to hear what is your favorite feature about your face when you look in the mirror? My eyes. I like my eyes. My wife likes my eyes. They're brown. She says they change color depending on my mood. But uh, so here, you know, I, I don't take my glasses off. From there. Yes. Wonderful. Beautiful. Yes. And uh, I like them because they allow me, you know, they bring the world into me and they, um, uh, they let me express myself. I think, you know, these days with COVID and we've all had to be wearing masks so often, we've all had to learn how to smize, smile with our eyes. <laughs> you know, half of our face has been hidden from the rest of the world. And, and I think smiles are so important. So I think you, you can express yourself through your eyes. Uh, you can allow yourself to see what's out there. The great Wayne Dyer, Dr. Wayne Dyer, I uh, used to say, um, you know, when you, uh, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And all of that comes uh, through our eyes. It's wonderful. Yes. 
Can I, I love that you just said that. I would love to see your profile. Can you turn to the uh, side? <laughs> sure I can. There we go. Okay. So I'm curious. Uh, I, have- I, I, I feel like I'm posing for a mug shot here. Okay. I'll turn. <laughs> more there, like there's modeling. more measurements on the wall behind us. Here. Modeling. You said smize. So, um, and that's a tiger Banks. If you know her, she's a super yeah. model. That's her thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm noticing you do have at the upper forehead a rounded mm-hmm. and what do I have there? Yes, right, right up here. So um you mean where I have no hair? That part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so that area is called the ancestral palace in Chinese face reading. Okay. And when it's rounded, mm-hmm. there is an indication that some type of talent or gift um it's it's important for you to pass that on if mm. it was great you could create and pave your own way um which i imagine you do because it sounds like you have a very um just wholesome way of looking at life just from just the 5 minutes i've been talking with you i'm curious though is there someone in your life ancestor wise that had special talents that you have adopted. Mm, that's really interesting. Grandfather, uh, yeah. on maternal or paternal side. I think uh, in terms of talents, yeah, very interesting. And I've never been asked that question before and I've never thought about, but instantly my, my father came to mind and he was an amazing man, although I did not Unfortunately, I don't think I, I, I know I did not appreciate that until after he was gone. And um, he was, uh, you know, he grew up, he was born in 1917. And uh, when he was 16 years old, his, his father passed away. And this was in the middle of the 30s in the depression, the heart of the depression. And uh, he had a mother and two sisters and he had to quit school and go to work to support them. And uh, so he never finished high school. And then he was in the Navy during the war. In the Can- I'm, a, I'm a Canadian originally, by the way. So he was in the Canadian Navy during the war. And then just made himself afterwards. He was never an entrepreneur or a businessman or anything like that. But he was, when I first met him as a child, he was a telephone repairman. And he hated his job. Oh my gosh, he hated it. And the way they treated him and such. And he did that for 20 years. And then in, uh, let me see, it would have been, I would have been in eighth grade. So I was 12, 13 years old. He'd had enough and him. My mother decided that he was going to stop. So he, through correspondence courses, we didn't have <laughs> online courses in those days. He finished his high school di- di- diploma and then quit his job and was unemployed for a year. And he went back to school and got his college teaching degree and then spent the rest of the remaining 15 years of his career with this gigantic smile on his face, having found his passion and just loving what he did. And he taught vocational high school. He taught technical subjects in in high school because his love was technical things and motors and engines and mechanical stuff like that. And he was so good at that. Um, but what he taught me, and he had this phrase that he always used to say, and he said, I was too stupid to know it couldn't be done. And I love that, you know, just 
all of us, and this is, this relates to my work with anxiety and worry and fears that we all have that hold us back from pursuing our dreams. And, and he said, you know, I, I, I should have been smarter. Then I'd been smart enough to be afraid of it. But since I wasn't, I just went ahead and did it anyway. And almost ever, inevitably, one way or another, it worked out. And I had, you know, that's what I admire about him uh, is his willingness to just try it, try it, go ahead, try it. And don't be afraid of trying something. Okay. So I love that you just shared that. That is so fearlessness. And, and, you know, you, you have mentioned, I fearless. One other thing I want to mention is love the rounded forehead and that story that you just shared. I also love, so you said you're 67. Yep. You'll be 67. Not quite. Will be. Yeah. No, I'm still a kid. <laughs> Just a kid with a crazy <laughs> dream. Going on 19. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, the other thing I, I wanted to share is I'm noticing here, these lines here. So oh, yeah. in, in conventional Western aesthetics or um, appearance, they call them the parentheses or the um, the lines here, um, mm-hmm. a lot of times women want to get them injected or fillers. They round They're the nasal labial folds in Chinese face reading. These are called purpose lines, purpose lines, ah. purpose lines. And by okay. age 50, it's important to see them forming. And I see you've got, especially in the upper portion here, a pronounced mm-hmm. expression of those which tells me little Botox, right? And I lose my purpose. Is that how it works? (laughs) So, you know, there, there are theories. Um, I just want to point out it already looks and sounds like you have like your father found your purpose and you're stepping into that and living it from 65 on. So talk. it is interesting that both for both of us, we discovered it later in life. Um, and it's funny because I've always known since I was very young, I've always known that later in my life would be when, you know, things really sort of connected and took off for me. I, I've always had just that intuitive knowing and I've never known what it meant until now. But uh, it really That's was wrong was, with being a late bloomer. I am myself. I'm pregnant in my 40s. So, <laughs> <That's> for <you. laughs> but That's for you, yeah. So, so talk to me about this journey. Um, sure. Of, of finding, you said your company and also mm-hmm. growing up. Well, let me go back a little bit because I originally, in a way, way back when I was 19. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't, I didn't understand. I, of course, didn't know what I, you know, if only I knew then what I know now. But um, I, I studied for and became an architect designing buildings and uh, went through school and graduated and uh, uh, discovered early on that uh, I enjoy, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't that good at it. Uh, you know, I looked around at others and I thought, how do you do that? And I, I was able to design my way out of a bag, but only just. <laughs> and, uh, and I realized I was an entirely adequate architect. And there was tons and tons of those around. And I thought, wow, I don't want to spend the rest of my life doing this. So I looked around, but I enjoyed the industry. And it was funny because it relates back to my dad again, but uh, the mechanical things of how you build things and how you put things together and the construction industry is very much that way. 
But I also found that I had a knack for communication. And so I kind of fell into marketing, marketing and business development. And so I spent my entire career, 35 years, helping and consulting and teaching other architects and engineers how to market their services. So I had a very successful marketing company and to the point where I was working all around the world. I had one client that literally paid me to circle the globe. They said, we want you to go and visit all our offices. So we left from heading west and came back from the east. So, you know, by all measures, it was very, very successful. And, uh, and that was fine. But it was always, it was never something that I said, oh, I just, you know, Every morning I get up, I can't wait to do that. I liked what I did. I was good at it, but it didn't have that. "Mm, Yes, this is that, you know, this is what I was born to do kind of thing. I was making a living. But in, in the process of doing that all along, I was always, I discovered, waiting. Waiting for something to begin, waiting for, you know, uh, and I was never quite sure what. But there was always that sense of, okay, as soon as this happens, then everything will be all right. As soon as I get this loan paid off, then everything's fine. As soon as I get this addition, you know, this renovation on our house finished, then it'll be okay. As soon as I, whatever. And I went on and on and on. And I used to be, I used to have a lot of worry and anxiety. And it was funny because I was making actually quite a bit of money. But, and and this was another thing going back to my childhood, where I grew up and the family I grew up, it was a delightful family, had a wonderful childhood. I cannot look back and say all these traumas, but I, there was one aspect of it. And that is we, because, you know, I told you my dad's situation, he didn't make a lot of money, uh, but they did make a lot of kids. (laughs) So we, we had, uh, you know, the, the ratio of kids to income was uh, kind of off balance. And so we weren't technically poor, but there wasn't a whole lot of money to go around. And I somehow was very conscious of that. I know my parents would sit every month around the kitchen table with a stack of bills and they, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, uh, and I, I, I learned early uh, and I acquired the belief that, a couple of beliefs. Number one, money doesn't grow on trees. Money is very hard to come by. And number two, if you, the only people who are, or can be wealthy are either crooked or lucky. Was, those were the two paths to wealth. And I was not crooked. And I obviously wasn't lucky either. So, so that, that was out of it for me. So I spent, again, despite the fact that I was making, I was making a very healthy six figures. But I, but I couldn't get rid of the fact that, okay, I made the mortgage payment this month. But what about next month? You know, it, it just hung over my head. And I couldn't get rid of it. And I never, it never occurred to me that, uh, okay, you don't have to think this way. But what happened is, as you well know, you know, the things we think about the most tend to show up in our lives. And at the age of 55, while simultaneously making this healthy six figures and working all over the globe for my clients, I literally worried myself into homelessness. I was living in my car. uh, And by that, you know, not the you know, yeah, I was a, a big um, 
uh, customer of Hertz and, and Avis and all those car rental companies, but the sleeping part was in my car. I would, you know, at the end of the day, I didn't have a home. I had just gone through a divorce. There was all kinds of mess from that. But it doesn't matter how much money you make. If you believe you are poor, you're going to create that reality for you. And, you know, you could be making $10 million, but if you spend $10 million and one, you'll have none left. And so that's what I managed to do. And so it was uh, August of 2009, and I was uh, literally every night for, for about a month, I would pull into this truck stop on the side of the highway in North Carolina and uh, pull my pillow out of the back seat and pop it up, wrap my leg around the gear shift and go to sleep. And the next morning I'd get up and I would drive to the public library because they had Wi-Fi and I'm still working for my client. So I get on Wi-Fi. And do my work there. Anyway, so I, I remember this one morning, very clearly waking up and, and saying, okay, this isn't working. <laughs> you know, no matter how much I try to rationalize, whatever it is I've done has produced this result. And obviously, what you know, my ideas are not working. I'm, I'm not getting this right because this is not where I planned to be. And so I said out loud to anybody that might have been listening, I said, okay, I'm, you know, that's it. I, I let go and I am wide open to hearing uh, any new ideas <laughs> other than, you know, the ones that I've been having because my ideas have gotten me here. And uh, it, was a, it was a moment of surrender, really. And it was very interesting because that very morning I, was at, I went to the library and I was working. And I had to go to the men's room. So I get up and I'm walking along and I'm walking through the stacks. And literally this book falls off the shelf and lands on the floor in front of me. I'm not kidding about this. And I bent down to pick it. I'm a very tidy person. I bent down to pick it up and put it back on. And I look at it. And it was by, I mentioned earlier, Wayne Dyer. And I started flipping through. And basically it said, here's what you're looking for. And I started reading, and my personal library now includes hundreds of books. And I have studied, I made it a study to learn how my head works, how my mind works, how my thoughts create my reality, how my, my thinking, my attitude influences the outcomes of my life. And I studied that like crazy. And I said, here's the solution in this. And what I what I learned, I learned a ton, a ton of stuff. And you know, fast forward, what I learned was that worry and anxiety. We're told so often that no, it's just a fact of life. Everybody worries. Everybody's got anxiety. And what I learned is that's not true. That's actually a myth. Worry and anxiety are simply mental choices that we make. A, a situation situation occurs, a circumstance happens, something happens to you, and how we respond to it is entirely our choice. But since we've been responding with worry and anxiety for so long, and since the rest of the world reinforces that choice, because they're all doing it, and they're all saying, you ought to be worried. This is terrible. This is a worrisome thing. You know, you turn on the news. <gasps> Here's what's happening. Here's what you need to know right now. <laughs> We're all taught that. It never occurs to us that maybe there's a different choice I ought to make or I could make. And that's what I learned. And then I started training myself to make different choices 
So it's rather than re responding with worry or responding with anxiety, I learned to make a different set of choices. And I learned that I do not have to worry. And so over the next five years or so, I taught myself and I can safely say today and confidently and look you straight in the eye and honestly say, I don't worry about anything. And that doesn't mean that I don't have challenges in my life. Sure, stuff comes along. It does to everybody, no matter what. But I don't worry about them. And I don't respond with anxiety. I sleep like a baby every night. I wake up every morning thinking, hey, day, what have you got for me now? You know, let's, let's take this on. Let's see what we can make of this. This is fun. And so that was, and when I was turning 65 two years ago, uh, I realized, you know, that this marketing career had been fun. It had been, had been good to me and all the rest of it. And, uh, but I said, what do I want to be when I grow up? Because I was kind of run, losing interest in that and running out of things to say. And I said, but I had no intention of retiring. I'm, I, life's too, too interesting for that. Uh, and I want to contribute. And I said, what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to do? And so I prayed about it and I meditated about it. And I, I asked the question, what does the world need? And the answer that came back to me so clear, it was like it was a neon sign in front of me, is the world needs to stop being so afraid of everything. And, you know, I think since 9-11, we've been in a uh, global consciousness of fear. And constantly we're looking for one threat or another, and this is bad is happening, and that bad's happening. And right now we got COVID. <gasps> oh, no, now there's another bad thing. And, and so we're, you know, we're, we're all, it's like we're all hiding under a rock and, uh, and that's not how you grow and that's not how you expand. It's not how you grow and become more of a person as an individual. And it's not how you grow and become more as a society, as a civilization, as a community. And so I said, all right, what I can do, this thing that I've learned, I've learned to completely let go of worry and anxiety. I've got to share that. And so that's when I founded I Fearless. And that's when I started, uh, said, I got to write a book. I, I had, I, I love to write. I'd written, I think like 15 or 20 books in my marketing career. I said, I got to write a book. And so I wrote this book and there it is there. It's called Unsubscribe from Anxiety, Opt Out of the Myth that Worry is Required. And uh, so I wrote that. And then I, I said, I, I'm on this mission. I got to show people that they don't have to worry. And so I started doing workshops and I started put, putting together online course and stuff. And just as the workshops were starting to take off, COVID came along. And I said, oh, good. Let's, <laughs> let's change everything again. And so now I, I have this website. I have a Facebook group called the Fearless Living and Growth Society. And its mission, I have one and only one mission, and that is to show people, teach them how to completely let go, to unsubscribe from anxiety, to show them that it is a choice. Because after that, once you let go of that, oh, man, the, you know, the gates open. You can do anything you want, like my dad. Uh, you know, I was too stupid to know it couldn't be done. As soon as you stop being afraid, my gosh, you can do anything. And I asked people, I said, what would you do? What would you try 
if you weren't afraid to fail, weren't afraid to look foolish, weren't afraid to uh, have people, you know, say, oh, that's dumb or anything, or if you weren't afraid to succeed, if you weren't afraid to change, what would you try? Oh, and everybody has a long list. Everybody has this wonderful list. And that's the thing that holds us back from taking on that list is this fear. And sometimes, uh, you know, it's fear of, oh, well, you know, what if, what if it doesn't work and I go broke? Well, guess what? That's happened to me. You know, that worst fear that I had, well, it came true. And I lived through it. And I said, oh, well, that wasn't so bad. And not that I wish it on anybody or that I want to do it again, but okay. Uh, no, and in the end, it was the second best thing that ever happened to me. And uh, the best thing that ever happened to me is my wife, Gail. And she's just amazing. And after that, you know, my world opened up and I found her and wow. But, um, but it really was, you know, what you think is the worst thing, the thing that you fear the most. Once you get through that barrier and you realize, wow, there was nothing to be afraid of. I mean, uh, you know, your, your, your listeners will understand when I say this. How many times have you laid awake at night worrying about something? When you think back on that, how many times have you spent the day or whatever thinking, oh, no, no. And then it didn't come true. Or you solved it in some kind of a way. And all that energy, all that emotion that you wasted worrying about it, and nothing ever happened. Yeah. So that's you, what I just devoted my life to. When you talk about choice, I, I often see like being at a crossroads and you get to choose, you know, which path are you going to go down? Are you going to go down the path where the thought directs energy towards the worry and the anxiety and the fear? Or are you going to switch? I think mm-hmm. it's you know um, important to acknowledge emotions are never wrong. They're energy and motion. They're alert systems that help yeah. us. They guide us, but we do out of being creatures of free will, get to choose how we navigate through life, you know? And I think strength is really a measure of resilience through challenge. The challenges are never going to stop. You know, you mentioned nine 11 and now we're in COVID and you know, there's, mm-hmm. this, there's this, collective trauma going on right now and everyone's going to process it differently. And it is important to take a moment and to really like be conscious of our thoughts and what we're creating from those thoughts. And it sounds like, you know, you've become really aware through your experiences, what beliefs were imprinted upon you. You know, those Mm -hmm. many beliefs you had mentioned uh, a lot of us, you know, have, no matter what generation you're, you're in, have experienced that type of thinking. And we get to choose how we evolve from that. And it sounds like you're on a mission now to help people guide them through that. And you've touched on it a little bit. I, I would love to hear what you think humanity needs most. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, Humanity needs to recognize, I was going to say hope, but I think it's, it's beyond hope. I believe we need to recognize that we have all the power there is. And there was a huge transformation took place to me in that morning when I woke up in my car. 
because when I found myself in that situation, and, and, and I'm, I'm getting around, this is a lot going to be a long-winded answer to your question. But when I woke up that morning in my car, the first, and, and I looked around, I thought, I'm homeless. <laughs> that didn't happen. How did this happen? The first instinct was to find somebody to blame. Whose fault is this? It must be the government's fault. It must be my client's fault. It must be my ex-wife's fault. It must be, you know, the, look around, look around, point the finger. Whose fault is this? But the more I looked around and the more I was honest with myself, I came to the, I realized, and it's interesting that we did this little mirror exercise that you said, because when I looked in the mirror, I realized I had to admit that with every single thing that happened that led up to that situation, there had been one and only one person present at every single event. And that was the guy in the mirror. And so I said, all right, what happens if, uh, what do I do if it is my fault? But not necessarily fault, my responsibility. Because when I blame somebody else, and, you know, with COVID, let's look around, <gasps> whose fault is this? Ah, those people in Wuhan, those people, you know, no, it's the guy. As soon as we blame somebody else, then we give away completely our power to change anything. Because until that person or that institution or that, you know, or the weather, until that thing decides to change for our benefit, we're stuck. Because if I had blamed somebody else, I'd still sit be sitting homeless because that, you know, whoever I blamed, why would they bother to change for my sake? So the, the first thing, and this is what I think humanity needs to recognize, is to say, I'm going to take 100% responsibility for the situation I am in now. And it might be that the weather caused it. It might be that the economy caused it. It might be, but that's okay. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond to this? The great Jack Canfield, I, I'm a uh, certified Canfield success principles trainer. He has this formula. He calls it E plus R equals O. And E stands for event. The event can happen. COVID happens, 9-11 happens, my homelessness happens, you know, something happens. R is, is the response to that uh, event happening. How do I respond to it? How do I respond to being homeless? How do I respond to COVID? How do I respond to a financial challenge? And then equals O, E plus R equals O is the outcome that you're going to get. And so if I respond to a challenging situation with blaming and complaining and hiding and running away, the outcome I'm going to get is going to be one thing. But if I respond to that challenge with, okay, I'm going to step up, I'm going to take responsibility. Maybe I do need to learn a new skill. Maybe I do need to adapt to something else. Maybe I need to you know, put a, work a little bit harder, but that's what I'm going to do. And then the outcome that I get is totally different. So if humanity says, you know, stops pointing fingers, because that's what we do. Let's point the fingers at, who, you know, oh, it was the Russians that changed that outcome of that election. No, it wasn't. It was the Chinese that did that. No, it was the Americans who overconsumed. No, it was, I know, let's blame the Canadians. They're the great ones. <laughs> it's always their fault. Um, but it, as long as we do that, 
you know, climate change. This is a real problem. Okay, let's point fingers at everybody else and say it's their fault. Then nothing happens. Then we're stuck. But if we say, okay, sure, whatever, however it happened, it happened. What are we going to do? Then we can move forward. Then we can have a totally different outcome. So that would be my message for humanity that says, let's take responsibility. Let's stop blaming and complaining because that's the easiest thing to do. And that's why I never watch the news. I never look at the news because that's what it is. It's blaming and complaining and celebrating how bad everything is. I agree with you so much, David. And I am so glad that you mentioned that I haven't had a guest on the uh, show talk about their, their take on humanity and needing responsibility. And I have always believed that, you know, when you do point fingers or you blame, you relinquish your power. You also relinquish your accountability and it makes it easy, you know, easy, Mm -hmm. easy. But when you give up your power, you can't do anything about it. And so just how you've described that word responsibility i'm even looking at it ability to respond so exactly yeah our our ability to respond is really our power Mm -hmm. and so it's important that we own it and that is how we're going to make shifts and change in the world and so Mm -hmm. i I love that you shared that the last thing i have listen or my my guests do is taking one more look in the mirror Mm -hmm. I'm going to invite you to do that. And oh, what a handsome fellow. You should see this guy. Oh. Yeah, tell me what you see. After all this wonderful goodness, what do you see? <laughs> okay, what do I see? I see possibility. I see, uh, I see potential. I see um, energy. I see life force. I see um, I see how far I've managed to come with what I have and what I had and the resources and the knowledge I had. But I also see that I now have far more knowledge and resources. And uh, I see I see enthusiasm. I see I see a whole lot of love. Um, I just you know, I, I, I go for a run every day. I I'm so blessed. I, my wife and I live here in, in South Florida. We're, we're right literally on the beach. You, know, you go that way a hundred yards and you're in the Gulf of Mexico. And, um, but I go out and run every, every day on the beach and it's just such a delight, but I see all these people and every one of them, I think, Oh, you, you've got so much potential. Oh, you were made perfect. And oh, what you could do, you know, and what you can do. And I send them all a little blessing. And I think, you know, you go for it. So that's what I see in the mirror. And that's what I see with every single person that I look at. And, you know, we all love to judge each other based on who knows what, you know. Uh, and uh, I think when we're doing that, we're actually looking in the mirror. And the person that we're seeing in the mirror is the person that we're judging. And we're just reflecting it off everybody else. I see somebody and I think, oh, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you more energy? And in fact, this is the guy I'm talking to right here. Why don't you try harder? Well, that's the guy that you want that should try harder. And you're pointed to the mirror. And that is my message. So 
um, we are aligned in that, my friend. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed chatting with you today and I love your message. How can people find you? I think the easiest way is on the Facebook group that I run. It's called the Fearless Living and Growth Society. Just go on Facebook, search uh, Fearless Living and Growth Society, and you'll find it and you can get it. Get to me directly. You can find my website from there. You can find everything you want from there. And I'd also say to your listeners that if they wanted to get in touch with me and talk to me, Go there, DM me. I will jump on a call with anybody, anytime, anywhere. And uh, I'm I'm always thrilled to talk to people, to share this, to, you know, if they're saying, I'm struggling with this, I've got ways to help you. Uh, I've got ways to help you. You know, if anxiety is something that you're struggling with. It's funny, we had a little exchange on the on the Facebook group just yesterday for a woman. I, I made a post and one of one of the members came back and said, three months ago, I would not have understand, understood what this post meant, but now I get it. And I realize how much potential I actually have because you can get past that barrier. Tony Robbins, he says, the biggest obstacle to people achieving and living the life that they want to live is fear. And that's my goal, open that gate. Once, I, once we open that gate and let you out, Wow, wow, what you can do. That's up to you what you can do. But my job, my mission is to help you open that gate, release yourself from that fear, from that anxiety. So go to Fearless Living and Growth Society and join us and uh, let's have some fun. Let's, you know, let's kick some butt around this world and make things happen. I, lo- I love how you're helping. I love how you're serving. I do see the possibility, the potential, the life force, the energy. Mm-hmm when you describe how far you've come, the resources you've had and, and the resources you have now, the wisdom, I see all of that. And, and oh, thank I you. really, really appreciate you sharing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marianne. It's been an absolute delight to talk to you and to share with your listeners. I hope we get to do it again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to the Humanity Speaks podcast. With the rise of social media engagement and video conference calls, many people are feeling more self-conscious about seeing themselves face on. I believe that if you love yourself when you see yourself, you elevate humanity, which is why I've created programs to help people love who they see in the mirror. I want to show you how to look at yourself with love, compassion, and acceptance so you can share your strengths, presence, and talents with pride. The best part is we can work together one-on-one in a group program or even in person. Simply visit MarianneTelkovsky.com or follow me on Instagram at MarianneTelkovsky and we can get started right now on your path to radical self-acceptance, healthy aging, and building your radiant energy. Until next time, signing off, this is Marianne Telkovsky with Humanity Speaks.